Welcome to the Chuck Shoot Podcast. I got Mark Normand on the show today. Hilarious comedian. I can't believe he's doing my little show, but he did it. It happened. If you don't know who Mark Norman is, uh, you probably should know because he's one of the best comedians out there. Uh, even Jerry Seinfeld singled him out as one of the best up-and-coming comedians. He got to open for Seinfeld. Uh, he's been on Joe Rogan a couple times. He's done all the late-night stuff, uh, and he's his own special on YouTube now. It's called Out to Lunch, and he has a great podcast of his own called uh, Tuesdays with Stories. I highly recommend checking out his stand-up either on YouTube or Instagram. That's how I found him. Uh, he's got like close to a quarter million followers on Instagram and um, definitely see him if he comes to your town uh, once it's safe to perform again. Uh, but this interview oh, so fun. He just he makes you laugh, uh, but he also makes you think he's a smart guy. He's actually a very brilliant comic, in my opinion, and I'm honored to have him on my show. So check it out. OK, welcome to the show. Mark Norman, this hey. is amazing. I can't believe, how did I, how did you, why'd you say yes to this? I mean, I, I'm not mad, but I'm like surprised in a good way. No idea. Gotta start <laughs> saying no. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> this could be a great career move though. I'm telling this show could be huge in like five years and I won't forget yes. you. This will move the needle. I'm sure. Yeah. But this You'll help me here. big time. How, so how are you right. holding up uh, with this pandemic? Cause do you like the lockdown because you're kind of more of an introvert. So now you have an excuse to avoid people, right? Uh, I was good at avoiding. I was I was better at avoiding before. I hate the lockdown. I want to go outside. I want to go to shows. I want to go to a comedy club. I hate it. It sucks. I mean, what are we, seven months in? It's brutal. Yeah. What kind of question is that? It sucks. It's horrible. <laughs> no, because I for me, I was kind of like, ooh, now I, I get to like stay here. I get to do these podcast interviews on Zoom. And uh, I mean, th more comedians and musicians are available now. They're a lot more saying yes because they have more time. <laughs> Well, this is great for you, but I mean, yeah. my whole business is flying all over the country and doing right. sets in front of strangers in a s small, dark, intimate room, spitting on people, yelling at people, people sitting shoulder to shoulder, and now that can't happen. So my whole passion and, and livelihood is is bunked. Yeah, can you do any shows like I the Fahim, the comedian I, I follow? He's he's coming here in Phoenix, and they're doing some sort oh. of socially distanced show. I mean, I hope it's going to be safe. I mean, they're following CDC guidelines. Are there there's some shows happening in certain parts of the country, right? Yeah, he's a funny guy. I love love Fahim, but uh, it's just tough because all the things that you need to make a good comedy show are bad for health. Mm -hmm. Tight room, packed in, right, close, yeah. and then. You can't have all that now, which I get because it's a pandemic. But right. yeah, we ever needed a joke more than right now. You know, we need we need to hear laughter and connect and all that. So it's, it's this weird time where we need comedy a lot, I think. But you can't have comedy. So definitely, it's it's like saying, "Hey, you need more fiber," but fiber is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, so if we can, I just want to talk about your background. You have you have like a really interesting background that I didn't know. I mean, I just followed your comedy. I didn't really listen to like all the interviews until the last couple of days. I found out a lot about you. you grew up in New Orleans in like a dilapidated mansion that was like eight yes. blocks from the French quarter. And you had a, uh, a transgender nanny. I, I, at first, when I first heard this, I was like, Oh, this is some bit he's doing, but I heard you say it in multiple interviews. So I was like, this must be true. Oh, very true. Very true. Enos was his name. Big black yeah. guy in a wig and heels and yeah, I grew up in a mansion. They made half of it a bed and breakfast because we were, you know, running out of income and it needed a lot of work. And uh, yeah, it was a kooky upbringing, but I was, you know, eight years old, so it was all normal to me. 
Yeah. So Enos was, so he was a black guy in a wig. Did he, did, was, did, was, was he able to fool people? Like, did he look like a girl or was it totally obvious that he was a transgender? I'd say he was, he was an ugly woman. Uh, <laughs> okay. it, it, it wouldn't fool me because, you know, I knew him and I saw yeah. the wig off every now and then. But okay. I guess if you had a few cocktails and it was dark enough, you could, you could see some, some lady parts there. Is it so then I, is this true that he, uh, later he was murdered because he was trying to hook up with some guy and the guy realized he was a transgender. Wow. That that's interesting. Transvestite. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because I'm, I, I saw, I mean, I've seen your comedy for a while and you, you do a lot of that stuff where you're like, you talk about like, I'm a big fan of the gays. And I was like, it's interesting that he like, not that I, you know, I'm not a fan of the gays, but it's just interesting that you kept bringing that up. And then it's like, Oh, now I get it. Like given your background that that's why you're like, Hey, look, maybe you shouldn't hate gay people or transgender. Right. Well, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I think it's just, I don't know if you look at gays and Asians and Jews, like gays move into a neighborhood and they fix it, you know, like they're pretty magical and they can't reproduce. So like if they want a kid, they have to adopt or whatever. So like, I think gays are good for the environment. As, as weird as that, they're they're green. Yeah. They they fix things. They make things look better. They it's true. Uh, they're in good shape mostly. So like, I'm a fan. All my gay friends are very successful, well dressed. You know, good manners. I'm not saying there's no psycho gays out there. Obviously, there's bad everything. But, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I just look at results. Like, look at Asians. They got great math scores. They can play the violin. They they low on crime. Big fan. But. <laughs> But isn't that racist to say that all there's got to be some bad Asians too, right? That are that have bad grades and Of course, and I'm not I'm not saying they're all great. I'm saying the majority yeah. as a whole. Like we're like it's it's like people go there's all these cops are evil. I'm like, well not all evil. Right. Like, yeah. They're people. It's just like every other group. There's some good, some bad. Sure, absolutely. Um so going back to your upbringing, um gosh, you had so many like embarrassing moments. Like what are what are some of your favorite stories to tell about oh. like Millions. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a bedwetter. We got robbed a lot. I was the token white kid, uh, public school, you name it. I mean, it was braces, dandruff, the whole nine. Yeah, like you uh, shit yourself on a field trip in third grade. Like, how did you, did oh, you have to change wow, schools good. after that? No, you wrote, I wrote it out. Um, did they call I you poopy pants Mark or anything like that? Or sure. But I, I was a guy who I made the joke before they could make it. Oh, that's smart. You know, I shit myself in a, in a, in a park and I had a huge, just wad in my pants. It was like a giant bulge. And, <laughs> uh, I had to ride the bus and then I remember the bus driver went, whoa, 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 don't sit down yet. And he had to put newspaper on the seat. He's like, you're not ruining my seats. And, uh, you know, I had to wait for him to put down the one ads and the classifieds and the, <laughs> the whole front page news. And I had to sit on that yeah. while we waited. So, uh, brutal. so you were like kind of like the class clown and you did theater. You said you were like a really bad actor, though. Horrible, horrible. Yeah, I can't do drama. It's it's not me. Look at me. I can't be dramatic. Yeah. Can you imagine me in like a sad, sad scene where my dad dies and I have to cry? That's not going to fly. You could be the funny actor, right? Are you saying you still uh, are not a good actor? I can do funny, maybe I can yeah. do comedy, but uh no drama. No drama. Doesn't so, fit. Right. So your influences were uh, Seinfeld, Carlin, Chris Rock. Well, those were the three big ones. And a little bit of Bill Murray and Norm MacDonald, you'd say? Bill Murray, Norm, Groucho. 
Uh, I loved Damon Wayans when I was a kid. I was a huge Damon Wayans fan oh. in Living Color. The Simpsons, uh, old SNL, uh, Marx Brothers movies, all that stuff. Oh, gotcha. Huge fan. And then, but you Free were Amigos, shitty, you know, shitty eighties comedies. I love Dragnet and like Animal House and Caddyshack. Oh, yeah. I love all that stuff. That's great. And so, because originally you wanted to do a uh, film. In fact, you went to the New York Film Academy, right? And then you you hated it. You realized you you didn't want to do film. Were you going to be like Man. a director? Or? You're good. Yeah, I wanted to be Woody <laughs> Allen. You know, I love Asian chicks. Oh. And uh, <laughs> no, I uh, I just wanted to be a director and write and direct. Mm-hmm. And then you realize like, oh, you got to work with these actors and they're a nightmare. And then you got to get the gaffer and the grip and the lighting okay. and all that. It was, it was too much. It was too many film. Just I feel like we're going to grow out of that. Like it's such a kind of antiquated art form with like this giant crew and all these trucks and all these big lights. Like I feel like we could knock it out a lot easier now. We got iPhones and little cameras and digital and all this. So like it's crazy to me. We still need all that. But. I think we're going to move on from there eventually. Well, isn't that what the pandemic is showing that a lot of these stuff is just happening like this on zoom right here. And people are doing it and it's getting millions of views and like totally. Joe Rogan. Yeah. 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 Look at him. Look at YouTube specials. And you know, my friend has a, a video, a YouTube news show. He gets more views on the tonight show and he sees nobody. Wow. That's my dream to be, I mean, I'm a nobody, but to get the millions of views, that's what I want to do. So, uh, but yeah, going back to you. So, uh, the, you did, you attended the university of new Orleans, which is, that's the, I didn't realize yes. that's the same college that Ellen went to. You probably knew that, but I didn't know that. Oh, you he didn't never know talked about new Orleans. He's very secretive, which is weird. You're like, Hey, you're a huge celebrity. How about you represent us a little bit, but also everybody hates her now. So maybe it's for the best. <laughs> yeah. But so it was while in college, this is when you first started doing stand up at a place called, uh, Lucy's retired surfer bar. Tell me about wow. that. Tell me about that. You're good. Oh, I think that's on Wikipedia. Yeah. I think that's all over the place. Oh, is it? I think Jeez, so. I yeah. I had a Wikipedia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a big star. What are you talking about? Of course you got a Wikipedia. This is all news <laughs> to me. But yeah, Lucy's Bar was in the uh, warehouse district of New Orleans, and uh, it was just every. I think it was every Tuesday night or Monday night. You'd, there was probably 40, 50 people in there. It was packed out. It was like a show, and. You know, you go there and you realize, oh, this is a whole other world. Like, there's all these comics who know each other, and there's there's like certain jargon about comedy and comedy talk and comedy uh, get-togethers, and then you start realizing, like, I have more in common with these guys than my real friends. And then you start falling in love with it, and you're like, this is what I want to do. And it's you get you get excited about every Tuesday. You're writing like crazy on Monday night, and you're practicing in your room, and it just gave me a hobby. It gave me something to do and work towards. Cause I was such a booze bag and just a waste. And, uh, so yeah, comedy kind of saved me and put me in a certain direction and changed my whole life. Well, yeah. And you said that you moved to New York and that you bombed for a few, but you must've had some good nights. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't have kept doing it. Right. Eh, not really. I mean, maybe <laughs> a, a titter here and there, but, uh, you know, if I, if I dropped my beer and I made a joke about that, that might get a laugh, but my written stuff was death. Really? Oh, and you just yeah. kept, well, I didn't so what, know what kept I was doing? I had to learn it. So what kept you going then? I had no backup plan and I was having a blast. I was 22 years old living in New York City, you know, getting drunk and meeting people and riding the subway and you know, it was, it was a different world back then. It was fun. No no real iPhones or anything, so you were just kind of running rampant. You were a feral cat. Good times. 
Yeah, so you you moved there. You only had four. Was it four hundred bucks or eight hundred bucks in your pocket? I, I eight hundred. Eight hundred bucks. That's all you. My ha- rent was four hundred. Oh, so like, and did you have the place lined up before you moved there, or you just found it when you no. got there? My mom knew a lady who lived out here, and she said they can stay with me for a couple nights. But you know, staying with somebody in New York is it's a whole different ball game. You know, right. this ain't Cleveland where everybody's got a oh here's a shed or a yeah. uh, my extra room or the guest room there's none of that in manhattan so we just stayed in some lady's couch me and a friend and after like two or three nights it got a little tense over there she was kind of like all right and i was just scouring craigslist and i found a place signed the lease on loose leaf the landlord died of aids eventually and uh, i got mugged a few times in that neighborhood but uh, we made it work god damn it yeah, I mean, so tell me about those days because you were doing, you had some interesting jobs. Bus boy, you moved furniture, you were an office assistant, you were a janitor. Like, I'm having a hard time picturing you doing any of those things. Like, were you funny in those roles or were you like, a, were you like serious, Mark? Or what? It, how, tell me about that. Well, you know, I mean, I guess I was always cracking wise, but, you know, I was a janitor for two years and that's just head down, mopping, earbuds in, cleaning the AC duct hanging photos, picture, putting paint on the walls, vacuuming, stuff like that. So it wasn't really, I wasn't really interacting with people throughout the day. So mm-hmm. it couldn't really be funny, but I was thinking of jokes the whole time. Oh. And then, you know, busboy moving furniture was the funnest because it's you and a bunch of guys you oh. know, out shorts on, you know, no, uh, no boss, no office. So you're like, it was hell. I mean, you're moving a, a foldable couch up three stairs and while you're on the the third flight is just bang, the fucking mattress shoots out like a boxing glove <laughs> in the eighties. Right. And, uh, so that was, that was tough, but yeah, we were always fun, having fun. So you just kept doing that because you were still, you were doing the comedy at night then I'm assuming, right? You were, and yeah. you did, did you really do four to five open mics a night? Sure. I did four shows last night. Wow. Cause you can do that in New York. There's just enough places where you can run around and yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, there's so many, or there were so many open mics back in the day and just ride from one to another. And it was, it was fun. It was, that's what you did. Like, otherwise I'm sitting at a bar, just, you know, staring into a glass. So, uh, it was something to do. Hmm. Nice. So, so do you, how many nights a week or how, yeah, how many nights did you do it? So four to five open mics a night and then how many nights per week? I mean, every night, every night, that was it. I never took a night off. I missed a lot of weddings. I'd miss holidays. Wow. And you know, like your friends are doing mics too, and they're they're getting good, so you're kind of competing, but in a in yeah. a fun way. And you know, you text like, "Oh, I know of another one on Thirty Third Street. It's really good." So you try that out. You meet new people. You you try a new joke. I mean, it's it was a whirlwind. That's crazy. And you you said that you bombed for three years, but like I said, you must have had some two. good too. Okay, so then tell me about the you you were doing kind of the Paul Reiser kind of Seinfeld kind of kind of like shtick, and then. Yeah. You fought, tell me about the time that you some guy kind of like he attacked you, and then that's when you just you broke out of the shell and you became. Yeah, I was just so married to that idea of like, hey, you want to be a comic? You got to have a blazer on. You got to talk about observations. And, Did you actually you know, wear the, the blazer? This I didn't. I didn't. Oh, okay. I couldn't afford one, but <laughs> I wasn't that bad. But oh. you know, I just thought, hey, that's what a professional does. You go up on stage and you go. What's the deal with milk? There's almond milk, there's oat milk, there's cow milk, you know, blah, blah. And people are like, what? What are you doing? It was so corny and ro- eye rolly and uh, cringy. And 
you know, I'm at these bar shows with like bikers or, or, you know, some psycho with a mohawk or I'm at a show in Harlem. So like there was zero awareness. I was just some uh, aloof douche mm-hmm. just going like, what's up with the, uh, you know, uh, the columns, you got this kind of column, you got that kind of column, whatever it is. And, uh, so they all hated me. And then one day I got heckled and I just went off on this guy and I was killing because I was just out of my shell, just being myself, being a human. And not just this robotic stand-up, you know, machine going, oh, what's up with a hairbrush? You use it on your hair, but a toothbrush is on your teeth. Like, no <laughs> one gave a shit. Yeah. And so, so cracking out of my shell, it, it was painful because this guy was making fun of me, but yeah. it had to happen. So that helped. Did that Was a defining moment for you to change your comedy style? I guess so. I guess in, a, in that moment, I went like, oh, geez, that, that felt good. That felt normal. That felt right. Because I was in this kind of caged box where I was like, all right, I got to be this way. I got to be that way. And this was like, ah, just be funny. Be myself. Because you're funny with your friends. Yeah. But for some reason, I thought when you stood on stage, you had to transform into this formal comedy archetype guy. So do you do more just like kind of off the cuff stuff at that point then and kind of just making fun of people in the crowd and... Yeah, yeah. I, I made this rule where you kind of had to open talking about the room, talking about the guy in the front row, just so the people know, like, oh, this guy's in the moment. He's in the room right now. And right. then you slowly slide in the material. And that's when you that's when they're listening now. Okay. You know, it's almost like foreplay. You can't just put the dong in the <laughs> vagina. You gotta you gotta work around it a little bit. Oh, okay, thanks. That's a good tip. I like that. Um There you go. And uh so just t- a tip. Yeah, just the tip. So tell me about, um, you were like opening it. Is this the point where you started opening up for Amy Schumer? Cause like you opened for her for like three years, but that was like before she was really big. She was just doing colleges and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, all before her. And then, um, I got a gig at a club hosting or doing a set and I bombed, but I had one joke work. She saw the one joke and was like, I like this guy. Hmm. And I, she's like, I think we would gel well together. And I was like, all right, great. And then I didn't think much of it. And I started opening for her, and then I just watched her go from the Ha Ha Hut in Louisville, Kentucky, to Carnegie Hall, to the Garden, to movies, to you know the Moon. And she and was she the one that got you into the Comedy Cellar? Because that was kind of like the the high highest club in New York to get into, right? She was, and you know, all your friends are such cum guzzlers because they're like. How come she hasn't got you know there? How come she you don't have you she don't have you writing on her show? How come you're not in train? I'm like, she's having me open all over the country. I'm making a ton of money, yeah. like seeing the world in a private jet, doing arenas. Like, wow. what do you mean? Why? What am I going to just keep asking for more stuff? Like, geez, have a little. Uh, but also, didn't you not? You, know? you didn't ask for any of that, right? Like, you never no, asked or pushed. She not. was just when she offered, and you were just, yeah, yeah. Well, some guys are just so like. Well, well, she's your friend. Why don't you? Why didn't she give you this? I'm like, well, she doesn't give me the world. She gave me a thing, and I should be happy with that. And this is why, by the way, you're not opening for anybody because all you do is ask for shit. Nobody wants to be asked for shit all day long. So I noticed that, and I never did it, mm. and then I got shit. Yeah, I've heard that. That's probably good advice to be just to be more grateful about what you have. Right? Yes, completely. I mean, people just want more, more, more. What else can you give me? I'm like, what am I doing for her? Nothing. Right. So the least I can do is shut the fuck up and <laughs> do my job. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And then it was around the same time uh, you, the, the, you got your first late night thing was Conan O'Brien. Were you a fan of Conan O'Brien? I was a big Conan fan. Sure. Love Conan. Love masturbating bear. I love yes. uh, all those gags that one guy who would come on and go paper or plastic. 
I love that guy. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I don't remember the paper plastic. Which one was that? He was he was like a joke salesman who would come on every now and then and be like, "All right, Conan, here's the deal." And he'd throw his briefcase on the desk. He's like, "I got some jokes for you," and he would say these horrific one-liners, and they were so bad that that the crowd like groan. And he would go, "Paper or plastic? How do you want to pay for these?" You know, and it was it was so funny. I'll give it a goog on YouTube. Okay, sure, it's up there. Yeah, I'll check that out. It was hilarious, and I loved how weird he was, and I loved the show, and it was different, and all that, whatever. And uh, so, being on the show was like a huge honor. Was that a boost too? Did you notice that, like, with your followers and stuff, or getting other gigs and no, stuff? No, no, that was back. I was so new that you have yeah. to do a lot just to get a little bit of recognition, because they have to go, oh, people keep talking about this guy. Oh, I'll check him out. Oh, look what all this other stuff he's done. And you mm-hmm. need like a backlog. It's yeah. kind of like fashion where, you know, you go to some town. I live in New York City. Then you go yeah. to some town five years later and you're like, oh, you're wearing the stuff they wore five years ago because it took a while to get here. Oh, it's the same with right. uh, getting famous or recognition or followers. Yeah, it like takes you, forever to yeah. get on board. Like you probably know the famous comedians before in in New York locally oh, yeah. before they're national, right? Like Tim Dillon Completely. and all these people that are kind of like, I think uh, Ted, I had Ted Alexander on and he was telling me about Tim Dillon before. I think, I feel like he's kind of breaking out a little bit more now, but like, like a year ago or six months ago, wherever it was, like, I don't think anybody knew Tim Dillon. Dillon. Now I feel like no, he's a lot bigger. No. And he's been around forever. That's why yeah. everybody goes, Oh, this guy's an overnight success. You're like, no, that's, he's been doing it. 10, 15 years. Right, right. And then, so you did a last comic standing. You called that kind of a shim sham. It was a lot of like open micers and stuff. Or <laughs> tell me about your experience yeah. with that show. Well, it's reality TV. So the whole thing's, it's a sham. It's rigged. It's, it's a hoax. You know, it's, it's people, they put pit people against each other and they tell you kind of who's going to win in the beginning. And like, you have no shot. And they're like, we want you to be the dramatic person. And wait, they tell you who's going to win before. They kind of gave you a hint. They're like, this, this, these, one of these two will probably make it to the end. And you're mm. kind of like, okay, well, he's winning. Interesting. So the whole thing's is it's rigged, but uh, it, you got, you get bamboozled and they, they make you stay in a car. For, like they sit you in a van for like three hours and they let you go on because they want you to be kind of crotchety and then you fight with each other and they film all that. Oh. It's pretty horrible, but it was a great way to get exposure 10 years ago. Yeah, you don't really need that. So that show's not even around anymore, I don't think. so. No, but it broke a lot of people. Do you think for the best, though? Or like, do you feel like if, if it's a shim-sham? You f- no, I don't think it's... I, don't, I mean, obviously, like, Norm MacDonald was the judge. And he's like a was real he? comic. Yeah, he's, he's not like great. Whoopi Goldberg or, you know, Roseanne. No. Or one of these fucking comedy people. But he would, you know, people... All these hacks go on. And he would go like, this is horrible. Like, you're a comic? This is horrible writing. This has all been done over a million times. Yeah. Like, this is so unoriginal. And they were like, oh, my God, how can you talk like this? Like, well, he's just being the most, he's only the one being honest. He's the only one being a real comedian here. And so they hated him. So nobody wants the real guy. You know, nobody wants that on TV. Because TV, it's got to be glitz and glamour and showbiz, baby. Bright light. So they have to fake everything. So when something's real, they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Abort, abort, <laughs> hit the button, you know? And that was Norm. Yeah, no, he is so funny. He's one of my favorites for sure. Absolutely. Oh, um, yeah. Easily one of the funniest guys on the planet. Have you me. met him or worked with him at all? Or I met him once at the Comedy Cellar for 10 seconds. I took a photo. He was a sweet guy, nice guy. He was running his Letterman set. 
Oh. The one, <gasps> like one of the last episodes of Letterman where he was does that great bit about the Germany the world. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. That is classic. That is such a great well, I bit. I saw it live. It was great. Oh, you were in the audience or you saw it at the cellar? Yeah, you're he saying? was just trying to run it a yeah, few yeah. times before he went on the oh. show and it, I got to see it at the cellar and it was fucking killer. And oh, he was wow. cool. And he, I was with my friend, Joe List who he knew from last comic standing and he's mm-hmm. like, Oh, you should have won. It's crazy. You didn't win. You're one of the funnier guys. And that's the, that's, that's TV in a nutshell is like Joe List is this kind of gangly, weird looking guy. Who's a great writer, but he's not like TV. He's not what you want for TV. Once, you know, we want this underdog or the black guy or the gay guy, whatever it is. And Joe's just a good comic. Who's a, as a white guy. It's boring. So he should have won probably. And mm. no one knew that, but they had to give it to somebody else. Do you think, and you think you've, you said, you've said that they kind of do that kind of stuff a lot in the the big TV industry. Like, I mean, that's what I think I kind of like about YouTube and Instagram and all that. It's, it's a free for all for the most part. Yes. Yes. Love. I mean, everything is like that. Look at politics. It's like, all right, we got to get Kamala Harris cause she's a strong, uh, ethnic woman or whatever the hell Brown. And you're like, they, I don't even think Biden likes her, but you just got to <laughs> have her in because. Oh no, she ripped him to shreds in the, in the primaries. Yeah, Did you see that? But it's I mean, optics. It's, it's all optics, okay. you know, and that's yeah. the same with last comic standing. It's just like, this will look better if he went, but he's okay. not the best comic, but it'll look better. And that's all they care about. And it's the yeah. same with everything. Well, and that's why I do love YouTube and Instagram. Yeah. It's, it's like the tried and true cream of the crop rises, that whole thing. Absolutely. So let's talk about Instagram. Cause that's how I discovered you. I don't know if you knew that, but ah. uh, yeah. So that it's funny because I think it was in the explore tab. You know, if you just go to like, it'll kind of like pick things that it thinks that you're going to like. And you had yeah. the, the bit about uh, being late. I saw that your oh, bit wow. about being late and I immediately, I was like, this guy's awesome. He's hilarious. This is wow. such a clever bit. Did that take a long time to work that one out? Because I feel that like it's so bit, perfect. That Thank you. That bit took seven months, six months to get right. I mean, you think about the concept of that bit. The premise of that bit is so high concept. Yes. Being late is like a drug. Okay. Yeah. How is it like a drug? And I had to just sit there and bomb with it and figure it out and try this, try that. That worked. Okay. Keep that. Hmm. But now this part isn't working. I mean, it just took so much trial and error. So many times where I would say that joke out in public and people go, what? It's like a drug. What are you talking about? And I had to just keep explaining it and making it accessible. And then it finally hit and it did really well on that show. That was James Corden. And obviously they were a giving audience because it's TV, but it never does that well. So I was so glad I got it on TV killing like that. No, it freaking kills. And I just love the way you, you, the way you wrap it up with the uh, intervention jo- bit about like, right. if, if it was like a drug, if there was an intervention. I wouldn't be there. I, I wouldn't be there by the time I show up, everyone's gone. I mean, it was like, yes, it's like literally like you. perfect. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just genius is all I could say. That's, I don't ah, know. But man, all that took forever. That's the funny thing about comedy is if, yeah. you, if you see the finished product, right. You're like, oh, this guy's great. But if you saw me working it out, you'd be like, this guy is the worst comic on the planet. <laughs> do you this ever? It's a weird thing about stand up. Do you ever think your material is like too smart for some people? Because sometimes I look at some of the comedians that are really famous and I'm like, dude, that shit's not that funny. Like, Mark Norman is way funnier. But like, and Fahim too. I feel like Fahim, some of his stuff is like, maybe it's over people's so head. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely, see, but that's the hard part about comedy is, and that's why the internet's great. Yeah. is just because the audience is dumb doesn't mean you suck. Right. But in your mind, you're like, well, I'm bombing. But they just might not get it. But just because they don't get it doesn't mean you're bad. 
So it's this weird thing where if you maybe you're too smart for the room, just put it online and the smart people hopefully will find it. Mm-hmm. But if you want to make a lot of money in this biz, you got to be more accessible. I mean, McDonald's makes more money than the the bone broth place and sure the bone broth place has great reviews <laughs> yeah. and, and, and a Michelin star, but <laughs> the bone fucking bone broth. I want to fry. <laughs> well, yeah. So tell me about like, you've done these corporate gigs and you said they pay really well. You got like seven of them, but you bombed all of them, right? Every single goddamn <laughs> one of them. Brutal. I mean, they, you know, my act will walk a tightrope on certain things, which I don't think are bad, but, you know, in a corporate setting, all corporate is is just sexual harassment, <laughs> racial issues, uh, gender study, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. That's my whole act. So they're just like, whoa, this is this is all like going to get me in trouble. The boss is sitting right there. He can't see me but, laugh at this pedophile joke. So why do they hire you then? Because they don't they see your material and see what you do? And Because they're idiots. They see, oh, he's on a Tonight Show in a suit. Oh, he's got this many views on his special. Oh, he's got, uh, you know, Conan and Corden. This guy's going to be TV ready, squeaky clean. And they just don't get it that, yeah, I did well at that show, but that's a crowd who's at a comedy show. This is a crowd who's at a corporate outing with suits on and filet mignon and, uh, you know, a chandelier. Yeah. Tell me about some of these. Like, tell me the one I know you told these on a other podcast, but like the pharmaceutical company one, the award show, uh, they, they were, they hired you for 50 minutes of comedy and a three hour award show. Brutal, man. Brutal. I mean, that was like the Emmys. I had to, I had a stack of cards <laughs> this big with like, you got to announce this guy then he wins an award then he gives a speech. Then I have to go up and do more comedy. Then we have an intermission. Then I go back up and do comedy. And then we have another award. And it, the whole thing was three hours. There was an engineer. There was tech. There was lights. There was everything. And I got fired within 20 minutes. Of it. <laughs> because of a dildo joke, right? Yeah. Yeah. A joke about a vibrator. And the, the, the CEO's wife got offended and said I was being sexist. And I'm like, what's wrong with dildos? Like, we're adults. What are you? What are you crazy? And didn't you? And uh, wasn't it a joke you had done before on the Tonight Show or Conan or something? Yeah, yeah, it was a joke on the. I think on Conan. Okay. And so I even told him that I was like, everything's okay to talk. I have to run this by everybody. Beat it into them. Like, you sure this is cool? This yeah. is my material. This is our. And they go, yeah, it's great because they see it killing right. on TV. So they're like, on oh, TV. this is great. And then you get into a room with regular bodies, and they're like, oh, I can't have a dildo joke here. But didn't, but this is all very strange. Yeah. People go home and blow each other and do <laughs> fuck each other in the ass. And then you, you mentioned dildos and they're like, oh, but I didn't, yeah. But didn't people like reach out to you later and say, like, oh, that was really funny. I just, I was like holding back the laughter because like my boss was next to me and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I got a few of those, which is always nice. And I did, it was in Philly and I did the Philly comedy club like six months later. Yeah. And a lot of the audience from there was at the club. That's hilarious. So, yeah. <laughs> And you still got paid anyways, right? So who cares? Oh, yeah, I got paid. Yeah, that's hilarious. And then what? It was a great paycheck. Tell me about the other one where you, you, uh, some guy found you at the cellar and he wanted you to roast people at his country club and he gave you all the dirt on the employees. So then you did it and then that didn't end up so well. Yeah, that was a really bad one. Uh, He didn't want to pay. I had to fight for that check, but killed at the cellar one night. Some guy in a suit, good looking guy with like slick hair and a cigar was like, hey, man, I'm a hedge fund guy please roast my hedge fund company. We're having a big kind of event upstate at a golf course. Come on by. We'll pay you this much money. 
and uh, I'll give you a bunch of dirt on all the employees. And I said, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. The money's good. Upstate gig. Going to feed me the whole thing. I get up there. It's like beautiful grounds. You know, everything's from 1828 to servers and white jackets and there's Ferraris and Maseratis and Beamers in the, in the driveway. I was like, this is going to be amazing. And then, you know, I get up there and I'm, I start zinging the people like he'd asked me to with the dirt he gave me Yeah, and it did not fly. They weren't into it. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. You know, I'm just like, Hey Bob, we all know you're addicted to Coke. And his wife's like, I knew it. <laughs> you know, so like they didn't out. know that he knew the dirt, like, and the dirt was real. Like the guy really was on Coke and that kind of shit. Like, Oh yeah. That's why it was good dirt. Cause it was yeah. all real. Like, Hey Joe, we all know you're gay. And his wife's like, I knew you were gay, you know, and his kids are crying and you know, he, the table flips over and it was like seven minutes of that. Like, well, this next one will get him, you know, and it just never turned around. And eventually Whoops. the guy was like, get off. But why did he get like, what did he think was going to happen? If uh, Whatever. He thought it was going to kill. Like, yeah. Oh, he got me. Cause he kept saying like, be brutal, yeah. be vicious. Right. Really, I want blood out there. And he gave him what he wanted. And then, uh, there was another one. Tell me about this in the internet company that hired you. You, oh. you, you won't say what, but Halloween's coming up. So this is a, it was a Halloween costume contest and they, they told you to be edgy. And yes. I thought this joke you did was hilarious, but I'll let you tell it. Oh, well, that, that was the AOL was the company. Oh, okay. Uh, you can say it now. Cool. All right. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? We're all going to die. And yeah. uh, so it was a Halloween thing, and it was this mapped out thing. We had like a bulletin board full of all these cards of like, first we're do the Halloween show. Then it's going to do a drag queen on the street. Then it's going to be uh, Bob's for Apples. Like this thing was mapped out. We planned it out for like two weeks. Everything was perfect. Everything was ready to go. First thing, opening Halloween show. I mean, costume contest. Be edgy. That was always the thing. We like yeah. your edge. Edgy. Yeah, you're harsh. You're crazy. You say whatever you want. You're a comic. Yeah, yeah, all right. So there's a panel of judges and then like a bunch of bleachers full of people in Halloween costumes. I'm talking devil, cat lady, you know, uh, knight in shining armor, you mm-hmm. name it. So one guy would walk up like Harry Potter and I would fuck with him and say jokes and then the the stand the audience or what do you get the judges were like oh i give you an eight i give you a nine whatever and then he would leave and then uh Catwoman came on and she had this whip and all this leather and she was sexy and heels and everything and she was hot and then as she's leaving this woman is like an african queen <laughs> coming on and they kind of almost bump into each other and i go hey you know, I'm trying to be funny. I'm going, hey, watch that whip around the Africa. Oh, and literally the fucking cameras went <laughs> like some, some plants died. The lights oh, went God. Out. Everybody went. <laughs> and I felt it was weird, but I just kept going. And then oh, they rushed me to the, to the dressing room. Oh, I'm putting a dress on. I got a wig on. I got big eyelashes. I got all this makeup. And I'm, I'm going to be in full drag and do man on the street or <laughs> woman on the street. And then they go, hey, uh, we got bad news. Uh, we got to let you go. And I was like, we got 20 more <laughs> scenes to do. We got a whole shoot oh, day. And shit. they're like, yeah, you're out. And I still got paid. Oh, wow. So who did they just find someone else to replace you? Like, what happens in those situations? They have a backup ready to go or what? I don't know what the the, the corporate in Philly, they had a backup guy. They had some yeah. like charming doctor just kind of read the shit. But uh, that, I think they scrapped the whole thing. Jeez, that's crazy. Crazy. So yeah, crazy. you get you get like trolls online. You said the negative comments hurt you, but your joke. Oh, where'd you go? Hello. Oh, sorry. 
phone crapped out there. Oh, all right. Yeah, you're saying the uh, the joke. Your jokes aren't intended to hurt people, uh, but some people. No. You you said it seems like they kind of want to seem high and mighty, and uh, they're just saying they're offended. And like you you say that people should judge you on your real life instead of your jokes. Cause you made a good point about this. You said if people judged people by their standup act, then Cosby would still be a saint. Um, right. So that's a hey, really that's good, a good point. point. Yeah, no, it's your Thanks. point. Yeah, it was your point. <laughs> <laughs> Hearing it back. Like, Hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, it's weird how we do that with standup. Yeah. Like, it's an act. It's a performance. It's written. You know, people, I have a school shooting joke. They're like, what do you like school shootings? I'm like, no, they exist. So I wrote a joke about it. Right. You crazy. Like, the jo- jokes are all mechanic. It's all mechanical. It's like, okay, kids, when they run in the car, they yell shotgun. Now kids yell shotgun in the classroom. Right. Still go, what are you, you're promoting school show. I'm like, no, I'm just using the word shotgun. It's a right. homophone or whatever the hell it's, it means right. two different things or homonym. Like that's homonym. what a joke is. Yeah. I don't, I, and there's nothing to do with my love or hatred towards school shootings. It's just, oh, I can, I can make this into a joke. That's my job. That's really clever. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so they get mad about stuff like that, and I guess I guess people are they don't get it because you know Quentin Tarantino has a movie with a rape scene. No one thinks he's going home and raping a guy in a gimp mask, you know. <laughs> but I hope not. Yeah, with us, I guess because there's no production and no lights and camera and all that that they think like, oh, he must mean this. I'm like, well, just because you thought I meant it doesn't mean I mean it. Right. So are you ever scared to say certain jokes or do you like run things by somebody like your girlfriend or somebody to say like, Hey, do you think this is okay? Or do you just freaking go out to the open mic and just say, oh, I guess we'll see if, it, if it's okay. Yeah. Well, luckily I'm not famous really. So I can, you know what? Still- you have a quarter million followers on uh, Instagram. I'm talking about, nobody knows who the fuck I am. I don't sell out everywhere. I'm not, I'm not a, a household name by a long shot. And I don't know if I want to be just by seeing what's going on yeah, out there. But that's like, true. Yeah, I just, I, I think I can still get away with some stuff because nobody gives a shit. It's when you get successful, they really want to ruin your life. Well, but, but, yeah, yeah, but like Bill Burr, I mean, and Dave Chappelle, they both have definitely pushed the envelope a little, but they're still standing. They're still standing. They're they're great guys and they're sweet. And it's it blows my mind that people want to hurt them. And that's what I don't get. Like people go, Hey, it's free speech. You can make your horrible joke and I can tell you, you suck. Like, yeah, you can do that all day. Like, I think I suck, but you can't say this guy's a racist and should lose his job and take his work away. So they're not the same. You, mm-hmm. You're trying to act like you saying this guy's a racist is even to him making a joke, attempting humor. You're right. saying a, an alleg- you're saying an like, accusation. Like this guy's a horrible person. And then when they go, Bill Burr's a racist, and you go, well, his wife's black. They go, ah, whatever. Like, no, no, not whatever. <laughs> yeah. Say you're sorry, say you're wrong, and you fucked up, and apologize. You called this guy a horrible thing, and now you're going, ah? It's almost like you yeah. want him to be racist. Right. No, that's totally true. I always think of, like, the intent. Your intent as a comedian is to try to make people laugh. You're not trying to, like, promote, like, the hate of one group or another. You're just trying to make people laugh, and what's if it's funny, it's funny. If it's about school shootings or rape or pedophilia or whatever, like it's a joke and it's hopefully going to make someone laugh. Yeah. That's, that's, that's everything. It's the intent. And I'm a comic. I don't know. I, I thought that's what we were doing here. And yes, sometimes I'll make a joke about a toothbrush. Sometimes I'll make a joke about, uh, you know, a sexual deviant, you know, like they just two things that, that pop into my brain sometimes. Absolutely. Do you ever have like a, one of your fellow comedians, 
either come up to you on, uh, after you were on stage or like uh, after a tweet or message you or anything and, 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 and play that game where they're like, Oh, that, that was offensive to me. That was actually uh, bad about towards, you know, black people or Asian people or transgender or whatever. Yeah. Really? I've had that. And I, I just don't understand. I'm like, are you lying? Like, are you pretending that you give a shit or are you just that stupid that you don't <laughs> know what we're doing here? Yeah. You Interesting. Know, like, which one is it? And are, are these like ever comedians that you really respect that are like high? Like, no, really? oh, never, okay. never. Uh, <laughs> Not once. Okay. All right. Michelle Wolf has never said to me, hey, that, that joke about girls is a little harsh, you know? Okay. Do you, do it's you, th- just, we, we got weird, we got weird priorities. Like, if you make a joke about murder, nobody cares. But if you make yeah. a joke about gay people, people get mad. You're like, well, murder is bad. <laughs> right. And no, that's and totally gay true. People are not bad. That's exactly true. Your priorities are out of whack. Yeah. Do you think like the bad shit and the dark times? Cause like, I mean, you talk about like you growing up in that dilapidated mansion with the cockroaches and then you moved to New York and you got mugged a bunch of time. You had bed bugs and all that stuff. Like you've had some pretty dark times. Do you think that's helped your comedy or like, how does that help shape the person that you are? Like, uh, no, I don't think so. You talking about the early stuff or now? just like your whole, I mean, like all the shit that you've been like shit in your pants as a kid being robbed, uh, you know, bombing on stage for three years, like having bed bugs, like all the shit that oh. you've been, do you think that's helped like make your character and make you a better comedian and, and working as a Maybe. janitor? I mean, you should have, there's I, times where you probably could have given up, right? I guess, but I, I hadn't, what else would I do? You know, if I, if I wasn't doing that, I'd be working at, you know, Lowe's or something, yeah. you know, like that was to me, that was something to do and it was kind of fun and weird and adventurous and exciting. So yeah, I was bombing and yeah, I was a janitor, but like I was living in New York. I was having a blast. I was meeting fun people and, and living my life. I'd rather do that than have a stable job in a cubicle. God, so, that's so true though. That's, I, Oh my God. It's I, so funny that you I say guess, that, you know, shitting myself and wetting the bed and all that childhood stuff was, it sucked, but yeah, maybe this, I think it just made me more realistic. Like, Life can be hard. Not everything's supposed to be great. Discomfort is a part of life. You know, get over it. Keep moving. That's amazing. No, it's really cool. So you went through all that shit, but now, I mean, you're, you gotta be one of the top up and coming comedians. I would say you're already there, but you're saying you're not famous yet, but Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld, who's let's say, I mean, he's gotta be the the number one best comedian of all time, at least top five, right? And he said sure, that you're yeah. one of the best comedians out there right now. And you, he gave you a chance to open for him and talk about that. Yeah, that was, you know, that was game changing. Uh, that was another level. Of yeah. Just like, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening. You know, being on Conan, you're like, wow, this is crazy. But right. like that happens, you know, comics get better and grow and get on TV. But that thing with him was like, oh my God, this is, I mean, I sit with my friends we quote his show and his jokes all day long i grew up watching it on nbc with my parents you yeah see tv it's yeah just, it's, i always say just the fact that life is that long that it could be uh you know this could happen that i could meet this guy and have the same job as this guy it's crazy it's freaking insane so tell me about the time that you opened for him at the beacon where it did things <laughs> And this is just a, this is a funny story too. Like shit is still kind of going wrong. Even when you think you've made it, you're opening for Seinfeld. It doesn't always go as planned, right? Yeah. Well, he's, you know, he's a prickly guy, you know, he's very meticulated. 
and he's uh, is it meticulated or meticulous? Meticulous, I think. He's I very. Think he's lust. like OC on the show. He's like really OCD about everything. He jokes yeah. about it on the show, so I assume he's like that in real life. Yeah, and obviously, you know, he's successful, so he's doing something right, and it's his show. So you know, I'm I'm gonna play ball. I want to be a team player here, and I want to do it like you want to do it. But I, you know, you're so nervous. You're opening for him. It's the fucking beacon. It's sold out. It's a big deal. So. He's giving you instructions and you're kind of like, oh, God, don't forget this. Look like you're listening, you know, taking this information, even though this giant legend of comedy is talking to you and two feet away, two inches away from your face. Like, so it's a lot of instructions and I've I've flubbed it and he was upset. And rightfully so. I mean, this is a top tier show. We can't there's no room for fuck ups. You know, this is the this is the top of the mountain here, folks. Show wise, stand up wise. I didn't get any bigger than this. And uh so I had a lot in my mind, and yeah, I guess I, I slipped up, and he gave me the business, and rightfully so, I fucked up, but you know, we're, it's bridge under the anal, and we're good. <laughs> but it's not like you, you, you did a bad set, it's just that you, you thought you finished too early, so you like didn't know what to do, so you went back out there, because he wasn't re- there or something, right? He wasn't ready? Yeah. So then, uh, well, that's all part of the instructions. You gotta go oh. out in 15 minutes. And you have to just know when it's over. Okay. So you, you have no clock or gauge yeah. or anything. So obviously I don't want to go long. I don't want to do 25. Yeah, no, definitely know, not. But I don't want to go do 10. <clears throat> so I think I did somewhere about 13 maybe because I'm just winging it in my head. And I got off and he wasn't there. And he's, he's supposed to run right on when I come off. And so I just panicked and I was like, well, they can't have dead air. So I ran out there and did a couple more minutes to make up for my... <laughs> shortness and then <laughs> i got off and he was like what the hell was that <laughs> where was like, he though just waited yeah wh- what where was he like why wasn't he ready or what he was in the elevator coming down oh, so okay he actually said he saw me running back on so it was oh. that close oops okay hey so will you be on comedians and cars getting coffee next season then because i think the show's done really yeah oh, that sucks I know, I know. I felt like I was a shoe and I was getting there at least. Yeah, it's funny that he would say all these nice compliments and then it was like right around that time that the, his, uh, whatever, the last season came out and I was like, oh, so is Mark going to be on that season? And you weren't. And so I was like, oh, maybe well, next season. The the movie magic is that shit shoots, that shit sure, shot like yeah, two years before. Right. Yeah, So absolutely. he didn't even know me then. So yeah, so and you've done morning TV, you've done late night TV, but uh Fahim told me that he did Joe Rogan too. Just you've done it a couple of times. He said that's bigger than even doing the late nights right now. Like that. So tell oh, me about, yeah. tell me about the Joe Rogan. I just listened. I finished your, uh, your most recent. I, I listened to both of the interviews you did on that show. They were such good conversations, probably way oh, better thanks. than I'm doing, but I mean, people should definitely no, check those great. out. Tell me about You're that experience. It, Patty. Thank you. <laughs> they were, it was wild. I mean, uh, the, I feel like that moment in my life that, kind of month two month period was the biggest comedy celebrity exposure i ever got like i did the tonight show first i opened for seinfeld Mm -hmm. insane biggest night of my life biggest weekend of my life huge i have his phone number we're texting then i get the tonight show do the tonight show in 30 rock fallon the whole thing leave 30 rock in a limo go to the airport fly to la Met some friends, got drunk in a suit. I'm still wearing the suit. Drunk, went out, got an Airbnb, crashed, woke up, hung over, and went straight to Joe Rogan's uh, pad. 
did his podcast for three hours, hung over, talking to him. The whole I mean, it's still in the suit. I haven't showered. <laughs> then Jesus. did a bunch of shows at the comedy store and this uh, had, I lived it up. And, you know, once you do Rogan, I, I, especially in L.A., like the comics treat you differently. They're like, oh, this guy's been stamped like he's in now. So everybody was Joey Diaz. Like, what's up, kid? How you doing? I'm like, we've never met. But this is great. You know, <laughs> he's hilarious. He's like, yeah. Funny. You did good on the Tonight Show, whatever the hell. I'm like, oh, yeah, crazy. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a cool guy. And then, wow. you know, Jezelnik's there and all these people. Jezelnik was there? Hey. Oh, I love him. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it, you know that scene in Goodfellas where he gets arrested and he's like, ah, I thought everybody was going to be mad at me. Then they show up at the court and they're like, you popped your chair. Yeah, you know? yeah, That's yeah. That's what yeah. it felt like. Oh, okay. I went to the store and I, every, all these L.A. comics like Santino and Brad Williams and all these people are like, hey, what's up, man? You did it. Good for you. Congrats. Did he let you drive his Tesla? I heard you guys talking about that, that he was going to let you drive the Tesla. He didn't because he had to run, but uh, uh, I think I will. I, I, it's, I've texted him about it. That's still that's still on the table. It's like an IOU. Is that weird? Do you get like an adrenaline rush when a text comes up from Seinfeld or Joe Rogan? Totally. Oh, totally. Okay. It's yeah. like a supermodel. You're just like, oh, my God, you're like <laughs> deleting. That's stupid. <laughs> Spell check. Is this good? Oh, be yourself. Relax. You know, it's all that shit. <laughs> oh, shit. So some people don't like Joe Rogan. They, they hate him. They see him as this like kind of like alpha male, like douche. But you said he's like really actually just like a very liberal guy who is like he has like all these eclectic people opening for him. And and yeah. he's just really down to earth. Right super down he's the most normal guy and uh to me he's the the definition of open-minded i mean he has this crazy right-wing guy on then he has a yeah. crazy left-wing guy yes. on. then he's a scientist then he's a comedian then he's an yeah. actor then men women black he doesn't give a shit but right. it feels like because he's not playing by all the rules that people don't like him and again it goes back to optics he's a bald white guy with muscles and a tight t-shirt who's rich People that mm. bothers people, I think. What are the rules? You say he doesn't play by the rules. What do you think the rules are? Well, he's honest and he's okay. not marching in lockstep to kind of the social uh, parameters we've set. You know, you got to say this, you got to say that, you got to be this, you know, because, you know, we kind of do a paint by numbers thing now. Like, this is bad. All this is good. Like, cops are bad. Black people are good, you know, but it's like, that's not how the world works. Some cops are right. good. Some black yeah. people are bad. I mean, I know that's uh, edgy shit now, but it's just <laughs> kind of how the world works. And I don't know. People seem to not like that. Then then I think they resent his success. And uh, he's a millionaire and he doesn't need them. And mm. I think that bothers people and uh, he's, you know, he's a great guy. I don't know. He's mm. a sweet dude. And I guess if people got to know him, they might be nicer to him, but I think they just kind of go off and like, Oh, he's a fighter. He's an MMA guy. He's like a meathead. He's, but he's just a cool guy who's curious about shit. And I think if sadly, if more people were like him, I think we'd get along better. No, I agree. You know, we're, yeah. We're, we're, we're so tense now. I yeah. feel like he has, his show is great. I, I listened to uh your two interviews. I listened to Fahim's interview. I listened to uh, when he had Ben Shapiro on. That's actually a really good interview because he challenges Ben on a lot of his right wing stuff. And he's like, hey, look. Yes. And it's like they're actually having a good conversation. I wish we could. Like you I said, know. we could do more of that. It's I feel like if I the agree. right and the left got together and just talked about these issues, I feel like we could solve a lot of problems. We don't need the politicians I, either. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah, we we just we live in our little bubbles online. I mean, you pick who you follow. You block people. So you get to see what you want. 
right. instead of everything. Mm-hmm. And then so when some new thing comes into your world, you're like, whoa, whoa, I didn't approve this. And whoa, I don't <laughs> like that. And then you just flip out and you kind yeah. of malfunction. That's true. And like, like everybody just, if you disagree with people now, they just go, oh, you're wrong. And you're, that means you're evil. And you're like, how do we get here? Yeah. And don't you, you know, think like, part of it is like being online and the keyboard warriors? Because I feel like if you course. have a conversation in person, you're not, you're going to be able to work it, talk it out better than if you're, even if you're texting, I, I have conversations with my friends texting where I'm like, okay, you wouldn't say that to me in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's almost, you know, when you're in your car and someone cuts you off yes. and you're like, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. I hate right. him. I hope his family dies. Then you pull up next to him and he's like, what's up, man? You're like, Hey, nice deal. <laughs> you know, it's that's how it is on Twitter. It's just uh, so disconnected. It's yeah. faceless, you know. And uh, I mean, I, how many people do I know who are like famous or whatever? And they online are the hero. They're an activist. They're a you know a perfect person. Then in real life, they're fucking degenerates. Really? Like who? Oh, uh, I can't say who. But Damn I mean, it! I want the dirt. Anybody? I mean, we're all flawed. We're all human. Yeah, sure. It's so silly. This guy looked at a woman's ass. Yeah, yeah, he did. He probably jerked off to her. Who cares? You know, like this woman did this and got in trouble for saying that. And like, yeah, yeah, I've said worse things than that, you know, to my aunt on the phone. Yeah, well, it it is ridiculous. Yeah, we're so uh, like, we have to just filter everything and comb through everything. Like your life wasn't perfect. And if you make one mistake, you're an asshole. But but then everybody preaches like compassion, understanding and whatever. But it's like, Seems hypocritical. Yeah. Yes. Very critical. I think it makes them feel better by calling you a piece of shit. Right. So let's talk about that because I mean, I'm going to, I'm just going to say you're, you're easily one of the top comedians on the planet right now. I I mean, if Seinfeld says that you are, so talk, let's talk about your special. I watched it. We watched it last night. Um, some of the jokes I had seen before, cause I've seen you, I've watched all your clips and stuff, but it's a great special, especially for somebody who's never seen you. They should definitely check it out. But I don't understand this. You had to do your special on YouTube. Like why? <laughs> so I you're did. telling me no Netflix or Amazon prime, none of HBO, none of these people wanted to do your special. Like it's too no. controversial or what? Well, who am I? I mean, who am I? Why would they have me? It, it yep. wasn't controversial. It's again, it's the optics, baby. Yeah. This guy, or your this white, male, straight white male looks better. Yeah. It looks better to have them. And they don't really give a shit. I mean, comedy's mm. come this weird way. Me and my friend were talking about this yesterday about how it used to be about killing. Whoever kills is just pushed to the top. Right. Murdering. Yeah. And, uh, now it's like, that's 12th on the list of like priorities. Okay. We got to mm. have this type. We have to check this box. We have to have the person who's saying the certain things in this way and that way. And, how old are they and what do they look like and what side are they on? Which way are they politically? Blah, 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 blah. Mm. And then funny. So yeah, I appreciate it. you like the special. There's some it's fun great. jokes in there. Yeah. It went well, but I, that doesn't, that doesn't matter anymore on the networks world, but in YouTube world, it still matters because people go, well, if it sucks, why would I watch it? Yeah. I mean, and, and it's killing it on YouTube. I think it had two and a half million views or something like that. Three and a half. Oh, three. <laughs> Not that you've checked or anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about some of those, uh, like more controversial topics then, because like with racism, I mean, you have uh, Chris Allen was your opener, right? I think when I saw you at the, uh, marquee in Phoenix, it was so funny. You talked about, you did this bit about racism and how like you have to like, okay, some of your like jokes that might seem edgy with a black guy and you, and so he, <laughs> 
you had him come out and give like a thumbs up, like in the middle of your. Sa- oh, I've never yeah. seen anyone do that. That was so clever. That was his idea. Oh, that was his about, idea, really. Was, well, I had a bit about black guys giving me the thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I need you to do that in front of white people, so they know that this is okay because they're all terrified to laugh. And I would do that joke, and then he, as a as a goof, would do that on the side of the stage, and he's black, so the yeah. place would go nuts. That was hilarious. But you said that actually you've had black guys come up to you after shows and really complimented on your uh, you on your honesty. Like, cause you don't yes. pander. You're just saying what you think you think is real. And they yeah, appreciate well, there's that. There's a weird thing now where like everybody's treating black or brown people like they're retards or, or children. You know, they're like, Hey, yeah. kid gloves can't say this. Be nice. And you're like, well, they're, they're people and they've been through a lot. So obviously they're, they're maybe have a little more tough skin than you think. Like, what do you think these guys are? You're like 10 year olds. These are fucking adults who can take a job and you go to do a black room and they're saying the most horrific shit on the planet and they're fucking loving it. Yeah. It's a joke. Right. No, it's interesting. I can't remember. I I think it was on Rogan that I heard this uh, where he made an interesting point about little people. And I think you guys were talking about this too. Like um, with Brad Williams, the comedian, Um, you know, his dad basically told him like, he's a little person. His dad's like, look, I'm not going to give you a hand or a ladder to get on that top shelf. You're just going to have to fucking figure it out for yourself. And obviously figure that out. Like, do you think that we sometimes do people a disservice by trying to make things too easy for them or trying to like, kind of like cater to them too much? I mean, there's gotta be yeah, some, yeah, definitely. you want to be definitely. nice to people, but you don't want to just like, uh, what's the word? Like, uh, be condescending almost. Right. Yes. Yes. Condescending. That's the key. Uh, yeah, of course. I think, you know, it's like, uh, uh an astronaut in space. There's no resistance. So they lose all their muscle and mm. they come back and they're like, oh shit, I'm weak as hell. I can't lift anything. Maybe I'm a little sick because they're just not, uh, what do you call it? They're not consuming stuff or they're not, they're, nothing's pushing against them. And that causes weakness. Right. And I think that is a metaphor for the whole thing. Well, and it's not equality Atrophy, if you're, that's it, the word. If you're, what's the word? Sorry atrophy atrophy yes no that's and you're not treating people equal if you're not going to make fun of certain groups or certain people or whatever right i mean you're you're not really and what is this weird thing in your brain where i make a joke about a certain group and you're like oh my god there's no way they can handle that are you kidding me that that's so mean and the fact that you think it's that mean is worrisome to me that like what do you think these people are like they can handle it They'll be fine. Like, take it easy. Condescendo, the clown. Like, this is uh, <laughs> a, a tough person here, I, I hope. And, and if yeah. they have a problem, let them tell me. What do you think? You have to fight for that? It's just so weird. Yeah. And do you think the younger generation, like, talk about that, like, with millennials? Because I think Seinfeld, there's millennials that think Seinf- the show Seinfeld is offensive. And, like, he won't even <laughs> do colleges, right? Because he said that the young crowds, like, don't get jokes. They, they're, they like, offended. So, like, when did young people become the old cranky people that get easily offended? That used to, when I was a kid, that was, like, the old people that would get offended. Right. Now it's the young people. Well, I think, here's my theory, because I think you're right. I think young people are, I think they mean well. I think they have good intentions. Mm-hmm. But it's weird because, like, people, everybody evens out. Like, look at yeah. Bill Cosby. He's a, the America's dad, pull your pants up, don't curse, and then he rapes people. So everybody, <laughs> if you're going to go all the way this way, you're yeah. going to have to go all the way this way, right. too. Everything has a reaction. Yeah. So, like, kids now, first of all, 
they don't they can't make a joke about race they can't make a joke about gay gender they got to be all right on the gender norms and the pronouns so they they got a lot of shit to worry about with with saying and doing the right thing but suicide rates are higher uh depression is way higher with kids because they're mean as shit online they're mm. mean as fuck you can't fat shame you can't slut shame but you can still be mean so it's almost like they have to even out you know right. if you're going to be super nice over here with the politically correct terms you got to be mean somewhere else and you know these poor girls have to like put eight filters on so they look somewhat attractive on their social media p- profiles and all this so they they eventually just go nuts and kill themselves and they're like <laughs> I don't know. It's like I said before, I think the priorities are out of whack. Yeah. Like Michael Jackson can have a, we can put out a documentary about how he fucks kids, but you can't make a joke about fucking kids. But like that happened. He did. Yeah. It. And you're watching that, that movie with popcorn and high-fiving your friend. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is fucking TV right here. But then the joke about something that never uh, happened yeah. or is made up is, is wrong. It's, it's the priorities. And I right. think a big part of it is, you got to show everybody what side you're on. You know, you got to show it's perception. Like, hey, mm. look, I'm against this joke because I'm one of the good guys. Ugh. But it's a I joke. Assume, like, that's what people don't understand. So I don't know. And I think it's it's a lot of time on your hands. Like the better things are in the world, yeah. the more people complain. It's like that's a fancy true. restaurant. Yeah. You know, like a fancy restaurant. Oh, the, the champagne's too warm. Oh, the, the filet mignon's a little dry. But at Taco Bell, everybody's like, this is fucking great. We're lucky to be eating. Uh, I'm starving, you know, I love Taco Bell. no one's complaining about the guac. No, absolutely. So you're kind of an introvert. You need like some Mark time, right? I mean, but do you sure. have, do you have a girlfriend now? Sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I do. Yes. How, how are things with, with like, do you, do you like having a girlfriend or you like being single? What's, what's better for comedy? Uh, that's a good question. I, it goes both ways. There's, there's ups and downs with both. I yeah. mean, I'm lucky because she's cool. She gets me. Oh. I'm a weirdo. She's okay with that. Um, and she gets the lifestyle of like going out on the weekend, working at night, uh, stuff like that. So that part is really hard for most comedians, men mm-hmm. and women, because yeah. like, the, the partner doesn't get it. Like, well, let's go to dinner. Oh, that's when I, my show is. You know, nighttime gotcha. is a big moment for for couples. You know, go sure. to the show, go to dinner and a movie and all right. this stuff. And all that's out. And they're like, oh, maybe this weekend we'll go to the beach. Oh, well, this weekend I'm in Cleveland. Mm. All right, that's out. You know, so I get it. It's hard. It's it's unfair to the partner completely. Does she have a normal but, job or is she? No, yeah, nine to five. Okay. But on the flip side, it's great to have someone be locked down, to be uh, just know you have a person there. You know, like when you're single, you're like, yeah, this is, this is great. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to check in. but I'm lonely and uh, you can get in some trouble with all that. So I think it's the plus side is just like, I come home, she's there. It's nice. Yeah. You got a companionship. Sure. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So talk about being in trouble. Cause you, you used to booze a lot. You used to booze so much that you'd get hammered. You pass out and then you get mugged in New York. People would be like, Hey, let's steal this guy's wallet. He's passed out in the middle of the street. Do you still drink now? Yeah. Or do you kind of calm down on that now that you're in the relationship and stuff? Or I do. I did. I did it up last night, but, uh, I'm, you know, I don't black out as much. Um, <laughs> I don't like, I don't build my, I used to build my night around it. Like I yeah. don't want to do two yeah. shows. Okay. I'll have a cocktail at each show. So by the time I'm done, I'll have a little buzz going. Then I'll just go out all night and get sloppy. And tomorrow I got my day clear so I can be hungover. 
that was my whole life. I was like mapping my life around alcohol, which okay. is a sad, huh. sad way to live. Yeah. And now I just, I, I, somebody said it best. They said, uh, they like drinking so much. They don't want to abuse it because they like it so much. Hmm. And I feel the same way. I, I enjoy boozing, but now I just try to sit there and enjoy it instead of, instead of just like, ah, give me more. <laughs> So do you have rules like certain things that you like, okay, I won't drink before a gig or won't, I only drink after sure. or just don't drink on uh, nights that I'm doing a gig or. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Not, no, not before. That's a big okay. mistake. Yeah. If, if you get one slur on stage, racial slur. Now, if you get one slur <laughs> on stage, you'll, you're, you're completely thrown off. You got to be sharp as a tech. You got to be ready. You got to have timing. So go, go nuts after even during is okay. Like have a beer while you're performing, but after, that's when you do it and, and reward yourself, like hold off. And then you're like, all right, I get a, I get a nice, uh, whiskey soda. Cause hmm. I was, I did it and I didn't drink. And now I get to, I earned it. Who are your drinking buddies? Like, do you have like, uh, is it other comedians in New York or who are your, who are your go-to? Yeah. Like, drinking now they're pals? all sober though. Oh really? So, Does that happen yeah, a lot? That seems change. like uh, I interview a lot of musicians and so many, you can't believe can't believe how many rock stars, they just go totally dry at some point, usually like in their forties or fifties, they just go, oh, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I guess times have changed. And also like, I think we're busier now. We have to, before you just had to write jokes and perform them. Now you have to write jokes, tweet jokes, put out an Instagram video, have a web series, do a podcast, uh, you know, all kinds of extra shit. And before it was just like, write, perform, write, perform. So you could, you had time to booze. You had the whole day free and the whole night free. And now it's like, oh, I got to edit that video I'm putting out on YouTube tomorrow because I need mm. content. And now I got to do that podcast. And, and then we got to do an extra Patreon episode to get more money. And, all, you know, so it's, it never ends now. Before it was like, you could make a living off stand up alone. So do you find yourself pretty busy with all that shit too? Like how many hours a week do you actually, are you actually working? You think? Oh man, a, a lot, a lot, but you it love just it. It doesn't look that it doesn't look like I'm laying yeah. in bed right now. Yeah. But this, I'm counting this as work. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No yeah, no, 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 absolutely. <laughs> this work for me too. I'm not getting paid, right. but yeah, someday, hopefully. Oh, we got to wrap this thing. We're an hour in here. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Last uh, couple, couple, couple more questions. We'll wrap it up here. So ambition. Like you're out there yeah. trying, like just kind of building on what you just said, like you're trying to write the jokes and you see other people that are just being lazy and that does that bother you, right? No, you can be lazy. I don't care. I mean, I've been lazy, but it bothers me when they're, they're, uh, I guess getting more stuff than me or no, that, that doesn't bother me either because that's not their fault. Yeah. You know, if somebody offered them a gig and not me. That's, and they said, yes, that's not their fault. So I don't blame them. What bothers me is when people go, Oh, Mark, he gets everything. Or that guy, yeah. he gets everything. And you're like, are you kidding? Uh, I'm doing all this extra work. I have to come up with all these ideas for shoots and videos and sell, pitching a show. I have to come up with the idea. And I know friends who are like, they, they, Netflix goes to them with ideas. Like, hey, will you, we have the show wow. idea for you. Will you star in it? And I'm like, oh my God, I would kill for that. I have yeah. to come up with the idea, then pitch it, then get shot down. Then they ask if they can have the idea and give it to someone else. And I'm like, geez. That's so freaking it, insane. It bugs me when people go like, yeah, Mark's got everything. Oh, he got a million views. Oh, it must be nice. I'm like, must be nice. I fucking shot the special myself. I had to hire the film guys. I had to find the, the venue. I had to sell it out. 
Like it's hell. Well, and they plus, don't see the success yeah, part. They, they don't, don't see the shit yeah. that went into it. Yeah, the background of like you know you working as a janitor for all those years, bombing on stage. I mean, you you've you've definitely earned your stripes for sure. You've like put in the Completely. the grunt work. Okay, so last question before we kind of wrap it up here, but. Do you have a scale like when you roast people like Thai food, you know, when you go to Thai food, you're like, how many stars do you want? Like, do you have a do you have a scale of, of roasting people like of how like spicy they want it or because I want I want Ro- you. To, what do you mean? I want you to roast me. I want to be roasted. Oh. But just give me give me it all. Give me. I don't care. I'm ready. All right. You look like uh, like Chris Angel with AIDS. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you look like a like an out of work magician. Nice uh, goatee there, you weirdo. This uh, Dave Gruel. All right, you, you look like Dave Grown. All right, there we go. All right, yeah, that was good. Nice I like that. That's not too bad. Nineteen ninety two called. They uh, they want their their image back. I don't know. That's not bad. That for on the spot, that was pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. So, All right, I'll take it. Oh, oh maybe, uh, maybe uh, you look like um, even a even a sadder Wayne's World. <laughs> uh, I don't even have a partner. I don't even have a Garth though. I, I need a Garth. Well, you're you're Wayne. Okay, you're I'm Wayne. Wayne. I'm Wayne. Okay, there we go. That's perfect. Um, and then I always end with a charity. Is there a charity that you work with that you want to promote or? Uh, tell people about or I, I i gave you the heads up you like the comment i know yeah. i know i like the idea oh. um, <laughs> i know a stripper named charity yeah. please give her money no uh, there's so many things that we talked about uh, mental health or uh, cancer or, i mean all sorts of things that you could yeah yeah there's some good ones out there i, I guess red cross or red cross Blue cross is okay. that something? Blue Cross is insurance, I think. I don't want to, I don't think we need to give them any money. They got enough, probably. Oh, yeah. Mother's getting drunk driving. Is that something? Yeah. Even though I drink there we and go. Drive. <laughs> do uh, you, you don't drive in New York, do you? Take the subway. I, I, got, I just got a car. Really? What kind of car? Yeah. 1973 BMW 02. Is that, I don't know anything about cars. Is that good or like? It's uh, a classic. It's is my it? dream car. Really? I bought it. Yeah. Is it expensive or is it? I got a great deal. I bought it online on an auction. At okay. four in the morning, I was up at four in the morning fighting with this guy, bidding war, and I got it. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. It's, it's got to be Thank hard you. to drive in New York, though, and park and all that. I mean, on Seinfeld, they're always like, it's always a big deal to park in the. It's a, a nightmare. I got it in a, in a uh, garage right now, but it's okay. a nightmare. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing my show. I want to promote uh, your po- your own podcast, Tuesdays with Stories. Your YouTube special is called Out to Lunch. I watched it last night. It's hilarious. Great stuff. Especially if, if they haven't seen any of your comedy, that is the go-to starter place. Uh, what else do you got? Do you got any other uh, specials coming up or anything? Podcast called Tuesdays with Stories. There's a t-shirt. Sad. I'm wearing my own merch. <laughs> That's and, cool. Uh, I want that shirt. Can I order that oh, online? Thanks. What's that? I can order that online? I think so. Yeah, okay. just give it a goo. It's like Tuesdays. the Ramones. That's the Ramones logo. Yeah, some guy made it. It's pretty great. Oh, Joe cool. has their names on it. It yeah. has uh, comedy and farts. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Go to my website. I have some merch. And uh, Tuesdays with Stories, uh, Twitter, Instagram. The yeah, whole your thing. Instagram is great. I love the little short bits. Um, do you make those yourself or do you have, you, like, have someone do that for you? The videos, I, have a, I, I tell a guy, like, hey, can you cut out this? you know, four minutes and 20 seconds to four minutes and 38 seconds. And he cuts it and captions it. And I pay. Yeah. Him. He puts the title on it. It's great. That's how I found you. So awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this and slumming it with me. I really appreciate it. I'll never forget this. 
Thank you, sir. Fun time. Good, good questions. Thank you. Thank you. That's very cool. Thank you. Cool of you to say. Thank you so much for doing this, Mark. Praise Allah. Right. Have okay. a good night. You're Kevin Hart, right? You got that right. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. I just got roasted uh, by a professional comedian. I got to say, it was pretty fun. Uh, I recommend every everybody go through that at least once. It's exhilarating. Uh, kind of like a roller coaster. You're scared at first, uh, but when it's all over, you say, that was a lot of fun. So, and really, I think the whole interview was like that for me. I, I was nervous, uh, obviously, to interview such a big name comedian, but he's such a cool guy. He's even, uh, you know, complimentary complimentary of me a few times, in addition to the roasting, of course, which is what I asked for. So definitely check out uh, Mark's special on YouTube. It's called Out to Lunch. Follow him on social media. Check out his podcast, Tuesdays with Stories. Uh, follow me to keep up with all these great interviews I'm doing and uh, make sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Thank you to Mark. Thank you to all for listening. And uh, remember, shoot for that moon.